For years, mankind has invented a number of supposed cure-alls designed to solve practically every affliction imaginable. Snake oils and soda companies originally made a name for themselves by marketing their sugar-laden products as medicine. However, in the past year or so, a new treatment has emerged that actually does what others came before it could not. CBD. There are plenty of places you can pick up CBD in various forms, but it can be a bit of a pain to find exactly what you're looking for. As a result, I was pretty amped when I was introduced to CBD.com, which is basically a one-stop shop for all of your CBD needs. There are countless ways to consume CBD, and whether you're looking for a topical, CBD-infused beverage, some gummies or tinctures, this website has virtually everything you can imagine. CBD.com is basically the Amazon of CBD. They've taken extra precautions to make sure all the products on the website meet federal guidelines, and they've teamed up with laboratories that give everything they sell a seal of approval. I've purchased my fair share of CBD products since it became a thing, but I haven't found a place that makes buying it as painless as CBD.com does. So whether you're a CBD veteran or a newcomer, check out CBD.com for all your CBD needs. That's spelled C-B-D-E-E.com. And now, back to Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, The Entourage Podcast. Stupid new hidden camera show called Gotcha. It's like a ripoff of Punk. Yeah. Yeah, and he wanted to get you. Really? Yeah, for the premiere episode. And he wanted me to be the rat-based accomplice. Can you believe that? I guess he thinks you're serious. It's gonna be a hit, John. Yeah, I guess so. Fucking user. I'm in. You're in. You got got. Welcome back, everybody, to Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, the Entourage Podcast. I am your host, J.R. Hickey, coming to you from San Francisco, California. Super quick intro this week. I'm dragging ass. Just got back from my sister's wedding in Chicago. Just landed a few hours ago. If you can tell by my voice, if you can tell by some of the ad reads, I'm a little banged up. So I'll keep it short, keep it simple. Kyle Banduho is back, good friend of mine. We broke down an iconic Johnny Drama episode, Gotcha. Season 3B, Episode 4, I believe. Me and Kyle went deep, as we always do. The last few guests I've had on are a little bit more casual Entourage fans. And as you know, Kyle's a diehard. He does a great job over at Big Screen Sports, where he breaks down a new sports movie every week. Go check that out after you've listened to this week's episode. Got a stellar comedian lined up for next week's episode. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. Without further ado, let's dive in to Gotcha with my good friend, Kyle Banduho. My guest this week is the host of the very popular podcast, Big Screen Sports. He is a good friend of mine. He's dialing in from San Antonio, Texas. Kyle Banduho, welcome back to the Entourage Podcast, my friend. I could not be happier to be back on the Entourage Podcast. I wake up every day praying I'm going to get a text from you <laughs> saying, asking me to do an episode. You know, it's actually been a long time since you've done a serialized episode. I had you in season one. We did uh, Busey and the Beach, right? No, we did Script no. and Sherpa. Strip, script and Sherpa, apologies. Those episodes are back-to-back, so, mm-hmm. and they kind of have similar names, like something and the something. With a weird celebrity cameo. Yep, exactly. So I had you on for that, and then I had you in between seasons two and three for the very special uh, episode where we broke down the movie career of Vinny Chase, which is one of my favorite episodes of this podcast. I'm being dead honest with you. I love doing it. I had a blast. Well, like, movies are your thing, and I'm excited to talk about this week's episode of Entourage, because there's a lot of really good stuff for us to unpack here. 
If anyone hasn't listened to last week's episode with Dylan Shivery, Manic Monday, it was a real lightweight episode. Really just like kind of two plot points, not a ton of, you know, no celebrity cameos, no like big musical cues. This episode that we're reviewing today is chock full of celebrity cameos, which I'm looking forward to spending a good amount of time on with you, Kyle. But talk to everyone about what's been going on with bid screen sports before we dive in. Normally, I, I reserve this time to talk about person's relationship with Entourage, but I think it's pretty clear you're a bid fan. So let's hear about the pod. Well, since uh, we we've moved the podcast to Mondays now, so it's actually coming out the the same day as this episode. So after get you, out, yeah, <laughs> after you listen to this, uh, go check out. Actually, uh, today we're doing uh, we're breaking down the movie Men with Brooms, which is a cult classic. It's a Canadian curling film. It's a comedy. It's what the fuck, Kyle? It's got comedic genius Leslie Nielsen in it. Had Matt Sussman, who, who was a former writer for Deadspin. He, you know, we we all know about that. We all know about that. They're all former writers, actually. Now, yeah, everyone's a former writer. But um, had some great guests lately. Had Michael Montero, who's a big boxing guy. Had him do Cinderella Man. Had a mutual friend of ours, Mike Camerlengo. He was on doing the Karate Kid. And then um, I guess I can uh, I, I'm announce, going to announce it on this pod because I'm announcing it on my podcast on Monday. We are doing DCOM December, which is Disney Channel original movie December. Uh, ten- I love it. Tentatively doing uh, Brink, doing Johnny Tsunami with uh, our mutual friend Will DeFreeze, doing High School Musical, and Double Teamed. So that, that's the tentative <laughs> plan right now. Going to break down some Disney Channel movies for December. But uh, yeah, you can you know subscribe wherever you get this podcast, Big Screen Sports. Part of the Blue Wire Sports Podcast Network. JR, let's talk some Entourage. Let's talk some Entourage, man. First off, I just have to say one thing. Those Disney Channel movies are from, like, 1997. So, like, the demo for that is, like, anyone in their 30s. So if anyone here remembers watching those sports movies on the Disney Channel, Kyle runs a great show. It's a great little program I was on for the first episode. Remember the Titans, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and uh, all those movies are going to be streaming on Disney Plus starting the 12th, which uh, if you have a child, as I do, you're pretty much obligated to subscribe to Disney Plus. So Did a partnership deal with them going, man. Did a did a discount code. Did a 30-day free trial, you know, type in Bidstream Pod or something. I'm know. sure I'm sure that Disney needs my needs my help advertising. <laughs> that small that small startup Disney. <laughs> All right, we're talking about Season 3B, Episode 4 today, Gotcha. It aired on Sunday, April 29th, 2007. Now, Kyle, this is normally the part of the show that's like very difficult for me, but surprisingly, on this Sunday in April of 2007, there was a shit ton of stuff going on in the world of sports. I am going to give you a couple options for which sport you can choose to hear what was going on that day. I mean, I think you know what I'm going to pick. Yes. So the options are basketball, baseball, or American football. Let's go with baseball. Oh, interesting. (laughs) That's such a shocker. (laughs) Two little bits of trivia that happened on this Sunday. Uh, Troy Tlewitzki of the Colorado Rockies performs the 13th unassisted triple play in MLB history. He caught a Chipper Jones line drive. He tagged second base to force Telly Johnson out off the bad. Then he tagged out Edgar Renteria. Taria in the seventh inning. Game winning hit in the 97 World Series, Edgar Renteria. I don't know shit about baseball, dude. I'm sorry. I'm an Cubs fan. That's about it. <laughs> he also had a two RBI triple and scored a run in the 11 inning, 9 7 Rockies victory over the Atlanta Braves. Pretty cool. He was good. In history? He Jesus was good. Christ. Also, sadly, on this day, 
St. Louis Cardinals relief pitcher Josh Hancock died in a traffic accident. I remember that. I actually distinctly remember that. He was 29, and their game with the Chicago Cubs, which was supposed to be televised nationally on ESPN, that night was postponed. So, super sad. The other one I've got to tell you about, because I know how uh, much Draft Day lives so close to your heart, the movie Draft Day. Yes, yes. This is the second evening of the 72nd annual NFL Draft. Do you remember who went number one overall in the 2007 NFL Draft? Was that... Don't look it up. I can hear you typing. No, no, you can't. My hands are behind my back. <laughs> was that the Jake the Jake Long year? No. Damn it. It was Louisiana State University quarterback. Oh, Jamarcus, Jamarcus Russell. Russell. <laughs> oh, oh man. <laughs> Largely considered one of the biggest draft busts in NFL history. Also, we had the plot of Brady Twin. He was projected to go number one overall, fell to the uh, – Cleveland Browns, also a largely unsuccessful pro career. I love that there's a ton of sports stuff happening on this day because usually I have to dig up some weird celebrity like music news, and uh, I thought that was appropriate. Yeah, funny enough, Brady Quinn fell to the 22nd overall pick. That didn't work out, so the Browns, with another 22nd overall pick, drafted Brandon Whedon. That didn't work out. <laughs> then with another 22nd overall pick, drafted Johnny Manziel. Also didn't work out. And Baker Mayfield may be... (laughs) Sweet mustache, though. Yeah, definitely. All right, quick plot summary of this week's episode for those who may not have had a chance to rewatch the episode. So Vince and Amanda are still glowing in their post-hookup bliss, but they resolve to continue on with their professional relationship as if nothing has happened. However, E quickly realizes what's going on, and he lets Amanda know how he feels about the affair. Pauly Shore has a new hidden camera show, Dacha, and word gets to Drama that he's going to be surprised by a filmed prank. So when Drama has a run-in with UFC champion Chuck Liddell later that day, he assumes it's part of the show and plays it up for the imagined cameras by getting tough with the MMA superstar. Unfortunately, the real Dacha involves a troop of money-grubbing Girl Stouts, and Drama realizes that he's now on Chuck Liddell's hit list for real. Ari's college buddy Stott comes to visit, and Mrs. Ari is not happy about it. But when he arrives at the house, he's far more civil than before, and he even has a beautiful fiancé in tow. Stott is also wildly rich due to a dot-com deal that earned him $65 million, and Ari finds himself jealous of his friend. To try and smooth things over with Liddell, the crew go to a fundraiser that he's putting on for underprivileged kids. But Liddell isn't fooled, and he challenges Drama to step into the octagon to settle things. Liddell demands that Drama falls to his knees and beg for mercy, an option that Drama quickly opts for, and just as the beating is about to begin, the Iceman quietly whispers, Gotcha, John. Jesus, these like summaries are getting more and more detailed every single week. I have to, like, there was talk. a lot going on in this one, though. This one is meaty. We're going to spend... I have a feeling this is going to be one of our longer episodes, Kyle. I know you don't have a lot to do besides go watch Disney Channel sports movies. So uh... Nothing at all. Anima talker, so let's do this. <laughs> Kyle, what was your favorite moment from this week's episode? I mean, it's got to be right at the end. It's got to be Chuck Liddell making drama bow down and then saying, gotcha. Chuck Liddell, I mean, we'll, I don't want to step on another category, but Chuck Liddell, like, surprisingly, like, very good in this, in this episode. 100%. Like it didn't seem like Chuck Liddell was like trying to remember lines. I just he just has that steely, badass like stariness about him. Chuck, I would never disrespect you. So please accept this sincere apology. John, get down on your knees and beg for forgiveness, and I might show you mercy. Please, Chuck. Look, John, you got two choices: either you get down, or we throw down.
Gotcha, John. It's it's all drama though, dude. Like oh the, yeah, the performance yeah, is drama. So shitting his pants the whole episode. It's incredible. This is this is a bold call, and I haven't been watching every episode like you have. I mean, I've listened to all your episodes, but I haven't actually watched them. But this is a it from my memory might be a top five drama episode because it's got wow. everything of drama. It's got like the the arrogance, but also the like complete lack of confidence and like sense of despair. It's got yep. the far ranges of drama, which is perfect. At the end, he's like, fuck it, two pilots in one season. He just kind of tries to see the silver lining and everything. I, I love it. It's great. What was your what was your favorite moment? Well, I, one more line from that scene. is I, I think it's the same. There's just like the twist at the end. Drama goes, as a troubled youth myself, I could only dream of having a role model like yourself, which is... <laughs> no one sucks up like drama sucks up. As a troubled youth myself, I could only have dreamed of having a role model like you to keep me off the streets. Quit your ass kissing and get in the ring, or do I need to come out there and get you? Where's the nearest exit, turtle? Not near enough, drama. I'm waiting, John. Vince. What can I do, Johnny? Nothing, bro. You've done enough. I love you. Honestly, um, you know, you might be able to relate to this moment more than I do, but like, just the kind of like Ari and Mrs. Gold like reconciling in the house. This is more than enough for me. You, Ari, are more than enough for me. Come here. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I don't know. It was kind of a nice little moment in an episode where there's like a lot of hijinks going on. I kind of appreciate like a real look at like a married couple. Yeah, it was a very grounded moment. Yeah. I, so maybe that, and that's also probably because I just spend too much time watching this fucking show. But Ari being like, the kids are at your mom's, let's burn the house to the ground. Like, that stuff's important in a marriage, guys. Bet you weren't thinking you were going to get like marriage advice listening to this Entourage <laughs> podcast. But stealing away from the kids for, you know, a couple hours just to do a little alone time. I can see that being beneficial. Yeah, and I know about I know about that aspect. Yeah, that's big. Yeah. Kyle, bros being bros moments. What do you got? I think like punking your friends is also really like a, a just a bro moment. Like any any group of guys has played a practical joke on another guy. Like not involving Chuck Liddell and Pauly Shore, but <laughs> like at some point, and then but also like a kind of a lower key one is E knowing that Vince had sex with Amanda. Yep. Like yep, I, I thought that like you you know when a guy is trying one of your buddies is trying to hide it. It's amazing because he like plays along for the whole lunch and they get in the car and he's just like I can't believe you fucked up. This is so fucked. I don't know what you're making such a big deal about. You don't know what I'm making such a big deal about. You're fucking your agent. I'm not fucking my agent. What does that mean? It means we've we had sex once. That's it. It wasn't emotional and now it's over. It wasn't emotional. You guys are like a bad Meg Ryan movie in there. Yeah, well, it was her idea, not mine. She was right. You know, now I can focus on work instead of wondering, you know, what it would have been like. It's such a, it's a laugh out loud moment for me because when your buddy's like trying to fake it, you know, we're not that good of actors. Like, <laughs> you can see right through them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and 
Yeah, that, that's why I think that it's it's more of like the lower key one as opposed to the punking yeah. the friends. There's also one, like, I don't know if this is bros being bros, but I just, like, I have to point it out. When, you remember when Drama is watching the 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 replays of Liddell's fights and he's just, like, beating the shit out of guys? And Vince, and, and then Turtle does the thing, you know, like, hey, if you come to the charity, everything is going to be okay. And Vince, and Vince does this, like, multiple times in the series, and it always makes me think of that college humor sketch of like everything's gonna be okay <laughs> vince has what i like to call the everything is gonna be okay leg tap where he like slaps yep. someone he doesn't even have to say anything but he's just like yeah man everything's fine i'm in my vest <laughs> i'm just chilling here in my vest and my t-shirt bro <laughs> oh jesus sweet merciful jesus say something vince what do i say johnny i don't know you always have positive things to say tell me it's gonna be okay Everything's going to be okay. You think so? Yeah, Vince usually knows what's going to be okay and what's not, right? So good. That is them, like, playing with that idea a little bit. They're like, we, they all turn to Vince, like, is it going to be okay? And Eric saying, like, yeah, because we all know that Vince knows when things are going to be okay or not is a little bit of a wink at, like, the fact that he's so easygoing, I think. Yeah, that whole scenario is, a, is a, like, such a bros being bros moment, though. Like, whenever your buddy is in, in dire straits. You just convince them, like, no, dude, it'll be okay. You're fine. You're fine. She's not pregnant. She's not pregnant, dude. There's no way. <laughs> yeah, that that doesn't always turn out, you know. <laughs> I didn't even realize what I said until I said it, <laughs> and I apologize. <laughs> um, my bros being bros woman is at the very beginning of the episode. They're sitting outside. I think they're at Le Petit Four. And he says, yeah, what's your problem with Paulie again, Drama? Why do you hate him? It shouldn't matter why I hate him, me. Eh? We're family. If I hate him, you gotta hate him. All right. I hate him. I hate him. That's very, that is very bros being bros. Doesn't take much. Like, if my buddy's like, that guy over there, hate that guy. I'm like, me too, man. <laughs> yeah, me, me. My mortal enemy, that guy right there. That guy could hand me $1,000 and I bet still fuck you, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> There's also one more. I know this is going to go deep. I, can, I already can have a feeling. It's a loaded episode. Yeah. Vince and Amanda are on the phone after they dip back to, after Vince gets back to the house, he gives her a quick call to be like, oh, I guess we're going to lunch in a few hours. And she's like, well, should we cancel? And Vince goes, I don't know. I think we should go to lunch. I'd hate for him to feel slighted. You boys have a very strange relationship. Two grown men who are like very protective of each other's feelings, and Ian and Vince are very much like a, a bro married couple. Yeah, they're very codependent. Which I don't know what your relationship with your best friend is like. There's a little bit of weirdness that goes on. Very similar. Yeah, yeah, very similar. And like, it's not something that like a lot of females really understand because it's not you know based on a lot of emotion. It's just more on this like weird like codependence and there's no there's no other way to describe it in my opinion Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely what was your least favorite moment from this week's episode crash honestly anything where vince and amanda are on screen together yeah it's it's tough i hate especially the lunch scene the lunch scene was really tough to watch like i i powered through it because i'm a professional and i'm doing a podcast i need to watch everything but (laughs) it was a uh they're just entourage like I mean, and, and you've talked about it before on the show. Like, like, they clearly have a female problem. Like, they're mostly seen as inconveniences or foils. It, like, really subscribes to the, you know, like the when Harry met Sally thing, men and women can't be friends trope, but in, like, sure. a much scummier way. So, you know, and this is just kind of another example of that, of, like, 
it's really unprofessional and it's really awkward and it it just it takes away from the episode but luckily it's really in a backseat on this episode definitely there is one exception to that female problem i think who do you think i'm referring to are you referring to mrs ari well, I mean, she doesn't even have a name, which I think is kind of a problem. Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> that's tough. That's a, that's a tough look, but I'm doing Shauna. Shauna's okay, like the Shauna's, alpha female. Shauna is bad. <laughs> like, she, yeah. Well, Mrs. Ari has a moment. I don't want to step on my favorite Ari Gold moment, but Mrs. Ari has a moment of being very strong in this episode. Yeah, let's get to it. Let me let me do my quick least favorite moment. Yeah. So I already mentioned this. I already mentioned the suit vest that Vince is wearing. It's not the Amanda and Vince and E lunch. It's E's phone call with Amanda. You called me into your office yesterday to tell me that I'm being unprofessional, and then you go and do this. I mean, is that even legal? <laughs> I'm his agent, not his shrink. Yeah, well, I'm gonna have to be a shrink on this one, okay? Because Vince has a hard time separating business and sex. Guy almost threw away a hundred million dollar movie last year over Mandy Moore. I can't let that happen again. Eric, I love that you care about Vince, but. I'm a grown woman. I'm not confused about what I want. I don't play games. And I don't risk my career or the career of my clients on a whim. I really like Vince. It's as simple as that. It was like a bunch of teenagers. It just didn't didn't vibe with me. And at that point, you absolutely know that Amanda is going to be gone by the beginning of the season, or by the end of the season, pretty much. Or like that, that, he, that Vincent is going to get back with Ari. The writing was on the wall very quickly. As soon as he slept with her, you're like, oh, good. This will be done in like two episodes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just like every other Vince relationship. This episode, in terms of quotes, dude, there's a lot of them. What? Start me off with some. Um, I mean, you already said one of them, the fuck it, two pilots in one season. <laughs> and then um, this is just going to double as my biggest burn. I'm just stepping on stepping on categories today. But the Like you didn't cry when the IRS seized your condo. What a man does in the sanctity of his own home is his business, Toro. What he does on national TV is the nations. It's like that had me dead. <laughs> <laughs> They're talking about the Justin Timberlake punk scene. And I mean, and you can just imagine drama crying with the IRS seizing your condo, which is such a sad scene, but it's just so good. I mean, we have a category for drama, but all these quotes belong to him. That spot's ours. So why don't you and your hoopty just move along? About what? Your hoopty, your beater, your hunk of junk. Move along. You should watch who you're talking to like that, my friend. I ain't your friend, tough guy. Yeah. That's right. I know who you are, you WWF wannabe. So you gonna move your car? Or do I gotta get in there moving for you? It's like he's performing. It's the, like he's always on a stage. The performance of from the moment Liddell, like they cut off Liddell, like that drama to when he gets quote unquote gotcha'd by the Girl Scouts is like this should have been on Kevin Dillon's Emmy Reel. Like it's just so good. It's so perfect. His, like, false confidence, his bravado, his, like, his ego, it's just full-on display. And as soon as he realizes that it, like, wasn't, he's like, I'm a dead man. I've got a lifetime of my looking over my shoulder to look forward to. I'm like Henry Hill. Like, incredible. <laughs> yeah, you uh, you said the other one, too, in, uh, when he, as a troubled youth myself. <laughs> <laughs> I can't picture, like, the Chase family being, like, you know, rough and tumble in Queens. They're supposed to be, like, these, like, working-class guys, but, like, you know that Vince was, like, in theater, and drama was, like, you know, you just can't picture them, like, being, like, hard. Drama is probably very much, like, a fake tough guy. Like, kind of how yeah. he is in this show, really. 
Yeah, like he, he drama could talk that shit, but then he's getting hung out the window by Saigon's boys. Like it, it was, <laughs> it, I think things the tables turn on drama quicker than almost anyone in the show, in yep. many situations. One more drama line. He says it multiple times when they're at breakfast. Let him fuck in peace. He says it like three <laughs> times, which there's a little bit of truth in that. Quit bothering your friend if you know what he's doing. Uh, Artie Lang as Scott has a good one when um, he's comes in at the end. His, his last line, pretty much saying, "Hey, we're, you know, we're gonna grab, you know, we're just gonna grab a hotel." But he's like, "But listen, uh, I'll be back in a couple of months, and we'll grab a steak and a couple of dances over at the Rhino." All right. And it's like, oh, so this guy hasn't totally changed. So we're going to talk extensively about Artie Lane per- coming up here. Kyle, yeah. So don't worry about that. Can't wait. Um, yeah, we, we talked about your best burn. Um, Liddell, fucking Liddell goes, well, 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 John Chase. It's your old friend Chuck Liddell. What are the odds I get back to my house, look out my window, and see your chicken neck head staring back at me from some douchebag fucking NBC billboard? Well, I found you, John Chase, and I'm sure glad I did. I'll be seeing you soon, John. Very soon. I'm a dead man. He's great, man. Like Liddell is really. It surprised me that we didn't see Liddell in more stuff like this, especially once he retired. Hundred percent. And what I think is interesting about this cameo compared to other ones is. When a celebrity shows up for a cameo, you have them for like an hour or two usually. So they shoot literally a one shot with them where it's like Snoop Dogg rounds the corner or so-and-so is standing at the bar. or so, And it's just like a single camera on them with the boys. Liddell's in like three scenes. He leaves like voice messages, which means he was in a recording booth at one point. Like He probably spent two full days on the Entourage set for this episode, which like mad props to him. He's one of the most important characters in the episode, really. Like he's he's he would be if it was a movie if the episode itself was a movie Liddell would at least make the poster. We'll get to who won the episode, but like I would have rather seen more of him than than of Amanda, and Amanda's half naked most of the show, so like that just says a lot about yeah, and th- and that's a lot because Carla is she. <laughs> I know. Drama. One more burn says, "Yeah, I know who you are. You WWF wannabe." <laughs> I I still like the uh, like you didn't cry when the IRS seized your yeah, condo. Definitely. That's that's probably the winner for me. We talked about music every week. We have a Spotify playlist. It's called Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah Music. You can listen to it at the link in the show's notes of this week's episode. Not a big episode for music. We haven't had a good like musical drop in a couple episodes. Last it's week- really the only only thing that this was missing from being a like a pretty classic Entourage episode. Yeah. Any songs jump out at you? Not one. I don't I don't have the best ear for music. Like when something really drops I can hear, but I didn't have anything. I realized as soon as the episode ended, I was like, I didn't write down anything for best song. But that's kind of the point of the category is like I only want to talk about music on this podcast if it's a song that really made an impact on you. And the only one I will call out is a Steely Dan song that plays as um Scott's girlfriend Lori, her fiance Lori walks up the driveway. When we first see Leslie Bibb, the song Hey Nineteen plays, which is like <laughs> An illusion, you know, it alludes to how young she is, and it's just, it's hilarious. So, like, Scotty, where's this uh, alleged fiance of yours? Oh, she's coming, she's coming. Hey, baby, come here, I want to show you off. Okay, baby. Come on. Holy shit. Yeah, I scored big time, huh? (laughs) And Jewish. Come on. 
Well, she's converting. Gonna have her bat mitzvah three weeks before the wedding. Uh, Could have been you if you didn't reject me so many times. That was, that was nice, but like, not doesn't stand out as like, hey, remember that one Entourage episode where they played Steely Dan? Like, yeah, there's not like one of those classic '90s rap heaters as the boys are walking down the street or something. <laughs> Hey guys, I wanted to quickly talk to you about CBD.com. One of the biggest problems I've come across when trying to track down CBD is that the industry is largely unregulated, and as a result, you never really know what you're going to get. As a result, CBD.com, which is basically the Amazon of CBD, has taken extra precautions to make sure all of the products meet federal guidelines. This means the only anxiety you'll have to deal with is the existential dread you wake up with every morning. And good news, CBD can help take care of that too. So check out the products at CBD.com. That's spelled C-B-D-E-E.com. And now, back to Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, The Entourage Podcast. Okay, teased it earlier. A lot of fucking celebrity cameos in this episode, man. Let's let's talk about Artie Lane for a bit here. The terribly nose-disfigured Artie Lane nowadays. Yes. For those who may not be super familiar, Artie Lane is an American stand-up comedian and actor. He's best known for his tenures on The Howard Stern Show and on Mad TV. He has famously been known for his work in Dirty Work. All-time great. All-time great movie. Great movie to, like, just sit back and watch. It's, like, an hour and 20 minutes long. It's a great, like, can't fall asleep, I want to put something on and laugh. With uh, um, with Norm MacDonald. He is also in one of my favorite very under-the-radar sports movies. Have you seen it? Um, It's not the Beer Pond sports movie. Beer League. It, it is? Beer League <laughs> with Ralph Macchio. It's the, the men's softball. Oh, that's great! It's so good. I've, I've like, what's it about? Like a bunch of dudes in a softball yeah, already yeah, it's... Artie Lang and Ralph Macchio are two guys who play in a men's softball league, and it's like that classic. Like they gotta win the title for something. Oh, that's and awesome! It, it's got a it's got a cast of a bunch of guys like you've seen around. It, it's it's really funny. Me and me and some of my buddies used to watch it all the time in college. So everyone listening, go and watch Beer Lead and Dirty Work, and then resume listening to my podcast, and then listen to Kyle's podcast. Your whole day has now been booked up by us. Yeah, exactly. Artie Lane has famously struggled with severe, crippling, debilitating uh, drug problems. He's written a couple books about his uh, addiction problems. He hosted the podcast, the Artie Twitter podcast, from 2015 to 2017. Uh, most recently, he starred in the HBO series Crashing. But even more recently... In May of this year, he was arrested on a drug court warrant for violating the conditions of his probation parole. Radar Online reported in August of just this year he was progressing in his rehab and he'll remain in there through September. He's scheduled to return to New Jersey where a jail sentence is still possible. And in September of this year, he announced that he's left rehab and he's been sober for more than seven months. Just was on the Joe Rogan podcast like yesterday and a very, very compelling, interesting interview with some insane stories. So if you're interested in, in uh, Artie, if you're interested in that stuff, go check that out. Um, really interesting dude and super sad what's been uh, happening to him. Yeah, it, it's very depressing, especially, I mean, he, the guy's hilarious. And as far as this episode, just bringing it back to this episode, very, a very reserved Artie Lang. Artie yep. Lang is very good. He's very good at playing kind of dopey, which this guy is, but like, He's also this character is also like savvy and, and self aware, which a lot of if Artie Lang is playing a dopey character, he is not self aware at all. Like his character from Dirty Work is just kind of like sweet but dumb as shit. Yep. And this is like a very reserved Artie Lang, which is kind of interesting. If if Artie Lang and Chuck Liddell, if you had to award one for a better celebrity cameo, who is it? 
So I think it's actually Liddell. I think yeah. Liddell carry he carries more weight in this episode, just in terms of the plot too. And I and it's kind of like we're grading, like we're moving the goalposts a little bit because you don't expect as much of Liddell. Yeah, uh, and he he's really good. Like Artie Lang is good, but he doesn't really knock the house down except for that. Um, you know, we'll grab a steak and a couple of dancers <laughs> line. But it's more just great that he's kind of Ari's mini foil. Ari's just incredulous at seeing him. But I don't want to discredit Polly Shore for just <laughs> taking up a couple. Jr., where do you stand on Polly Shore? Um. Famously, and we've talked about Paulie before on this podcast, because this is like his third run-in with drama in as many seasons. So he's kind of West Coast comedy royalty. His mother, Mitzi Shore, started the uh, comedy store in L.A., which is the like breeding ground for every famous comedian you've ever seen in the history of comedy. So he was kind of born into... He didn't really earn his place in Hollywood uh, to a lot of people. But, you know, couple movies under his belt, still performs stand-up, like, very recognizable, and, like, I don't know, I've, I've mixed feelings on him, if you can't tell. I mean, he's not, like, I'm never gonna go to bat for him and be like, oh, he's great, but, like, you know, like, sometimes it's nice to smoke a little pot and watch Son-in-Law. Oh, and or Biodome. Yeah, and his co-star in Son-in-Law, Carla Giugino, Amanda. Wow, that completely went over my head. This is why I had you on your movie guy. We spend a lot of time on the couch <laughs> watching these old movies. Tons of time on the couch. And in this episode, Polly Shore makes for a really good, annoying prank show guy. You could have yep. seen this as something that would have actually happened in the mid-2000s, which is definitely another reason why this is one of my favorite episodes. So Polly doesn't have a ton of screen time or do a bunch, but that classic, like, annoying Polly Shore laugh when he's telling drama that he got got. Gotcha, drama! <laughs> You got got. I got what? You got got. You got got. You got got. This is your god boy? What about Liddell? What about what? Chuck Liddell, where's he at? I don't know anything about no Chuck Liddell drama, but what I do know is you got got. You got got. I still think Liddell is the pick here, but I just don't want to discredit Polly Shore because I'm not a Polly Shore stan, but I'm like, I'm there for the guy. I, I didn't like his role in the, some of the earlier episodes of Entourage. He was in the Playboy Mansion uh, episode, and he was also in, and I'm forgetting the actual like episode name, but it's when Ari quits his old agency, and Drama basically barges in and asks Adam Davies, like, are you still my agent? Pauly Shore is there to kind of gloat, and uh, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way for him. But you're you're right. No, this is this is a this is a nice role for Pauly to play in this episode, especially. Good casting. Yeah, opposite Liddell, too, like, uh, you know, Big time tough guy. Liddell was a, you know, he competed professionally in the UFC from 1998 until 2010. 23 fights under his belt. Along with Randy Couture, he's widely credited with bringing MMA into the mainstream of American sports and entertainment. In uh, 2009, just two years later, he was inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame. What has he been doing lately? Do you know? I don't know. I'm, I'm not a huge MMA guy, but I do know that Chuck Liddell was the first MMA fighter I'd ever heard of. And if you ask me to name five fighters, he's still on that list. Yeah, I would name him five times. <laughs> That's how much I yeah. like the MMA. A um, lot of good, outdated references this week. Last week's episode with Dylan, there wasn't a lot that was like outdated, but I mean, just the idea of like a punt show is super outdated. Uh, WWF wannabe, which you said earlier. Yep. I, I I thought WWF had turned into WWE by then. It might have, which makes it kind of even funnier that drama hadn't caught on to that. 
if so <laughs> but uh that that one jumped out at me when he said wwf which is now the world wildlife fund and then Scotty's bit break what are you doing now actually ari i don't do anything i uh I made a fortune in stamps. <laughs> what? what? What does that mean? Stamps. Well, stamps.com. Three little words that saved my life. Stamps.com. Stamps.com is like the first podcast sponsor I ever remember. I think uh, when I, my old podcast with our buddy Pete Hart, we did one of yep. the first ads we did was a stamps.com read. And our producer at the time said, welcome, guy. You are now officially podcasters. You've done a stamps.com read. That's great. Stamps.com, if you're listening. No, just kidding. Uh, it's interesting. Is that I remember like old episodes of Marin's podcast and like Bill Burr's first iteration of his podcast. Like that's all they would do was Stamps.com, and like it was just wild to hear that name in an episode of a show that I watched 12 years ago and not realizing the staying power that that had back then. Because everyone's aware of Stamps.com right now because of podcasts and you know the way the media landscape works with advertising and Artie Lang and Artie Lang. How well, let's talk, let's break this down a little bit. How did he start stamps.com? How did he get involved in stamps.com? See, that's a, that's the thing cuz <laughs> they said he was working at Hooters and like I don't know in like what capacity. Like was he a yeah. bar back? Was he bartending? That's the thing. Like did did one of cuz he clearly has connected friends. Where did Ari go? Did he go to like Harvard? I think something like that. He went to Michigan with an MBA from Northwestern. So No, so no, he no, he says I'm sorry. He I'm, before I have to interrupt you because I'm going to get a bunch of Entourage fans correcting me in my DMs. Um, no, he says that Scotty was like ahead of Conan O'Brien at the Harvard Lampoon. So like they, I guess they went to Harvard. But so Scotty went to Harvard. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah, so, so Scotty went to Harvard. So he he knew people. And let's definitely. just say that one of one of him and Ari's friends is something yep. in finance or some sort of venture capitalist guy or so, and they're having a random conversation talking more than he and Ari talk clearly and he's just like hey man I know you don't have a lot of money but take whatever savings you got put it in this stamps.com thing it's going to be huge and then yeah. he, and then that's how he gets it. it was definitely a friend I don't think Scott was the type I don't think he found that on his own I think it was definitely a friend tip and the friend was probably like a drunk who like sat bar side at Hooters like you know every day and Scott just like supplied him with like aqua velvas every night and he was like you know Scott you're a good shit I'm gonna hook you up with this uh potential business deal that I have and Scott being kind of a dumbass you know dumps his entire life savings into it and hits the lottery as yeah it pays off for him cool you've convinced me that's what happened Kyle how would this episode be different if the same plot took place in 2019 I have two main things uh Scott would have been, he would have invested in one of the tech startups like yep. Facebook or Twitter, Instagram or yep. something like that, or like Snapchat or something. I, I don't know. It'd be Uber now. What it would be is it'd be Uber, like with yeah. the, the way the numbers are falling. <laughs> and then Liddell would have been, instead of Liddell, it would have been Conor McGregor. Yeah. Oh, that God, could you imagine Conor McGregor chopping it up on Entourage? That, that could have gone, that could go very terribly in one direction or be very good he would have he would have insisted that they like promoted his whiskey in some way like that's what oh, would have yeah. been like a little bit like ridiculous hearing conor mcgregor do his like who's this fucking guy to yeah. to drama would be amazing yeah that's perfect current ufc star not a dot com but like he, he invests in like an app or a startup that that, that makes it bid uh, i would also the, i mean i just don't think the like 
the Hollywood movie star sleeping with his agent thing would be. I think that would be a problem. Yeah, I think they they might have uh, they might have written a different conflict for Vince and Amanda to have, other than the fact that they just wanted to fuck each other. Yeah, I think they would have maybe uh, maybe brought someone in the writers' room who had a different perspective on women. <laughs> maybe like a healthier a healthier relationship with writing women on screen. Interesting. And uh, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe they're just butting heads on projects. Maybe that maybe that's the thing that that leads to uh, that split. Yeah, that that made sense. And they end up actually doing that over the Median thing. Spoiler alert! In the next mm-hmm. uh, two weeks, um, one little piece of trivia I want to throw out. Uh, my wife, uh, who I've mentioned before on the podcast, she designs uh, fine jewelry, and uh, she's very talented. If anyone needs an engagement ring, hit me up. But Scotty says about. Uh, Lori, his fiance's ring. Come on, what are you kidding? Look at that thing. It's a four carat D color, man. That thing costs more than my car. And my wife was sitting there, like eating dinner while I was watching this. And uh, I said, How much would a four carat D color ring cost today? And she just, without a, without missing a beat, goes over a million dollars, which is Jesus. fucking crazy. So, in, you know, 12 years ago, at least you're talking three, four hundred K. Yeah, I refused to tell my fiance what I paid for her ring, but it was not that. What was interesting about my situation, here I am, we're talking about like our personal lives here. Like I just told her, I was like, hey, design your ring and tell me what type of stone you want, and I will go ahead and take it from there. And it actually ended up working out great because I didn't have to make any real decisions and she got the ring that she wanted. So Yeah, I just yeah, I mean I, I think things worked out for me and like I knew exactly what I needed to get. I was basically given exact instructions, but now I yep. just need to make sure she never watches this episode of Entourage, which I don't <laughs> think is gonna be very difficult to prevent from watching. But uh, yeah, good for uh, good for old Scotty with that stamps.com coin. Definitely. Let's talk. Good transition. Let's talk about uh, his the Faces in the Crowd Award this week. I'm giving it to Leslie Bibb. Gotta be Leslie Bibb. Gorgeous, first off. Jesus Looks Christ. Looks great. <laughs> I mean, so she's like a you know, film and television actress. She, she first appeared on TV in the 90s. Her first role was in the Howard Stern movie Private Parts, which is another interesting connection is you know Artie Lane is in that movie in, in a in a small part as well. She was uh her main role was the role of Brooke McQueen on the WB dramedy series Popular, which kind of brought her attention to the uh, to a wider audience. She won a Teen Choice Award for the role. Um and then most recently she's appeared uh in the Marvel Cinematic Universes in as this reporter Christine Everhart in Iron Man and Iron Man 2. But what do you know her from? I've got to point out two things. Obviously she's in a sports movie. She plays uh, she plays Carly Bobby in Talladega Nights. Oh Jesus fucking Christ! How could I forget who, that? Who utters the utters the infamous "Come on, y'all! I've been slaving over this meal for hours," and it is <laughs> like Taco Bell and Domino's and just greatness. And then for me, she was also in Lost, and I oh, love that's Lost. right. Yeah, I tried Lost a few times. Like I, I just couldn't. Uh, maybe I'm more of an entourage guy. I don't know. I actually think about Lost like once every couple months and just uh, just have a nice hard hard think about it. Uh, yeah, if any Lost fans have started watching Watchmen, you're probably just as confused as you were watching Watch. Uh, watching I am Lost. I am planning on starting Watch. I'm hoping by the time this airs, I will have at least watched the first episode of Watchmen. She's also been uh, in a relationship with Sam Rockwell, famous actor. When he was uh, filming Frost Nixon, they both appeared in Iron Man Two together. So she is famously like I love Sam Rockwell, but she is famously like a head taller than him. Oh yeah, yeah, and maybe out of his lead, but who knows? I mean, he's great. <laughs> 
I, I watched fantastic. Vice on a plane the other day. He's just fantastic. Yeah, he's fantastic as Bush and Vice. Um, Sits Man Award. Who are we giving it to? I guess the Sits Man Award is more like someone who has very limited screen time and makes the most of it. Like, I don't want to give it to Liddell. I feel like he's bitter than the Sits Man Award. Yeah, I feel like he's got more screen time than Six Man. Like, I wrote down... Honestly, I think it's Polly. Like I had, yeah, ri- I, so. I had written down Artie Lang just because I love Artie Lang, but Polly yeah. for what he, what he is, is like dynamite. Like he he's got like maybe a minute and a half of screen time, but it's really good. I I, I begrudgingly will give it to him. I think I think you're right. Uh, it's an annoying role, but he plays it perfectly and he does a good, good job of it. The rare win for Polly Shore. Finally, a break for Polly Shore. <laughs> it's about time <laughs> that guy caught a break. All right. Uh, Favorite category we do it every week from our favorite character, Johnny Drama. What was your favorite drama moment? We've talked about a lot of them already, but are there any additional ones? Um, I don't have any additional. It is him bowing down to Liddell, <laughs> but then instantly turning around and say, fuck it, two pilots in one season. It's, it's, <laughs> it's such a classic drama. Like, it's when you told me about, asked me if I wanted to do this episode, that was the moment I thought of. Like, I didn't think, I forgot about the Artie Lang shit. I didn't even remember it was in this episode. It was, it was drama bowing down and saying that. Like, it is quintessential to the T drama. 100%. He said, Chuck, I would never disrespect you. Please accept this sincere apology. He's <laughs> just so theatrical. <laughs> so, so good. <laughs> so good. There's a little line that he says when they're driving in the car and it's, it's after they have a brunch at the beginning and Turtle's explaining the, you know, the gotcha concept to drama. And he goes, yeah, fuck it, I'll do it. He goes, like Sandy Meisner always said to me, through the pages of his books, of course. Of course. Be in the moment. <laughs> Sandy Meisner is a very famous acting teacher. He's developed an approach to acting that is known as the Meisner technique, which is just funny, like drama trying to just pass it off as if this famous acting teacher told him something. Drama is very good at six degrees of separationing himself from like yeah. people in Hollywood, from actors in Hollywood. Like a lot of time it's like, oh, you know, when I was, I did a guest spot on Melrose Place, I yeah. bumped elbows with whoever, but that's just yeah. like, that is pinnacle drama right there. In his world, he's the star of his own story. And, like, well, he is. Like, he's, you know, and he's the star of the show, man. He's he's incredible. Ari Gold. We've, uh, we haven't really talked a ton about Ari. He's kind of, like, just in disbelief this whole episode at his buddy's, like, fortune. I mean, was there anything that, like, jumped out at, at you as, like, being a great Ari Gold moment? This episode is, it's kind of a tough look for Ari most of the episode. Yeah. My favorite Ari Gold moment is actually him being dressed down by Mrs. Ari. Yeah. By simply saying, like, am I not good enough? Are your kids not good enough? You know, and, and basically being like the shoes on the other foot. Like, you know, you didn't mind that this guy was gross to me when he was your buddy and he was like you were punching down at him. But now yep. that he's, you know, engaged to this younger woman and really successful, you're jealous. It was very nice of her just basically call, cutting right through his bullshit. So it's not really an Ari moment. It's more of a Mrs. Ari moment. But it's like, you, you know, you kind of said – it's one of the better moments in the show just because it's grounded. It's actually like a couple having legitimate conversation. And it's one of the few times where Ari is completely subdued. Like she, yeah. she completely has the upper hand and he doesn't have anything witty to, to get it back. He just looks really bad and it's a really good moment. It's like one of my, it's, you know, one of my favorite parts of the episode. Yeah, definitely, and that's a great point. And last week in Manic Monday, he has like two iconic Ari Gold rants, the get the fuck out speech to uh, Rob 
uh, aka Brian Talon, and then he has like a rant in therapy, and he kind of like dits his he dits his like swagger back, and then in this episode he's like right back to being like put in his place by his wife, which is which is nice to see. I'm just it's interesting watching these week over week as I've been doing because I'm just ready for Ari and Vince to be back together. It really must have in real time in 2007 felt like a long time because he, he fires him at the end of season three a. Nine months go by and season 3B starts, and they're not even on screen together for like four straight episodes of Entourage, which is kind of a bummer. And you can tell they're really trying hard to... It's when you know that Ari's a main character in the show because they're really just trying to give him shit to do and keep him elevated on the same level as the other characters. Like last week, it was the, the you know not being able to fire the guy and dealing with that, and then this week he's got his this random side plot of a friend coming in, which when Vince and Ari are together, stuff like that, like this Artie Lang thing, it's such like a one-off that really wouldn't have happened. You can tell they're just trying to trying to stay afloat until they get Vince and Ari back together. I think the Scott Siegel plot gives an interesting insight into Ari's personality and even more so his marriage. So Yeah, absolutely. It is the one of the, the strongest Mrs. Ari moments, I think, in the series to date. 100%. If only they could give her a first name. I know. I know. Crash, who won this episode? It's got to be drama. Yeah. It's either drama or Liddell for me. I was going to say, it's, it might be... Dude, it's probably both of them. This is, this is like an all-time drama episode. I forget about this performance every time I rewatch the show. I never particularly loved the Dacha episode, like, plotline. But then when you see, like, the Liddell drama back and forth, you're like, this is fucking gold. Like, it is perfectly done. Yes. So, I, I, I say we give it to both of them. Yeah, it could be like an <laughs> MMA fight. It's like a draw. Like, you, you it's a ra- draw. raise both of their hands. But it's, it's really good. It's really, really good. And I think... Um, yeah, I think it's both. Liddell goes above and beyond. Like you said earlier, he goes above and beyond of the normal entourage celebrity cameo, but yep. it's not, he's not overdoing it. He's very, it was a, like a, not a subdued performance, but it was just very grounded, very funny. They should have, uh, they should have found, found something else for Chuck Liddell to do. Definitely. He just maybe shows up once every other season and just like, maybe he becomes buddies with the guys and, What's interesting is, like, this episode probably introduced a lot of people to MMA. Like, you know, MMA really peaked in the, like, aughts, you know, 2009 to 2012. And it's really interesting. I would have liked to see the boys maybe going to some MMA fights and engaging with some other MMA athletes. It would have been been cool to see. Well, real quick, I got to ask you, how is this episode different if the fighter that the drama encounters is not Liddell, but it is Entourage movie alum Ronda Rousey? (laughs) <laughs> that's not as it's not as good in my opinion and ronda rousey is not as good of an actress as chuck liddell yeah that very true that is very she's kind, true she's kind of like one beat and she kind of is monotone in the movie liddell like has his daughter there he like leaves the menacing voicemail and then at the end he's all gregarious and friendly with the guys it's like wow you're showing some real range here dude maybe you're real calling should have been in soap operas, Liddell. <laughs> yeah, or, I mean, he would have been, he would be great in WWE. Yeah, like, It's definitely. funny when Draba calls him a WWF wannabe, but he actually would have the, I mean, because you have to have those kind of chops and that charisma yep. to be good in WWE. He actually probably would have been. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, we'll give the winners of this week's episode. Is, is It's a tie. It's a draw between Drama and Chuck Liddell. Drama wins a lot every week, so I'm, I'm leaning more Liddell here because it's his only episode. 
Kyle, was this an A-list episode, a B-list episode, or a D-list episode? So, so this is tough for me. <laughs> I think it is an A-minus list episode, and I'll tell you why. It might not be a pure, just great episode. I mean, there's yeah. like the Vince Amanda stuff. That's not great. But sure. this has multiple this has a lot of things that make entourage really good one it's got iconic moments that you think about in this series the liddell bowing drama down is iconic it's got multiple classic cameos it's yep. got vince's dick getting him in trouble which is a staple of entourage and in, in most good entourage episodes there is some plot line with that time is a flat circle with vince's yeah. dick. <laughs> exactly 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 so i think and i mean when i think about episodes of entourage i i liked or reasons i like this show i come back to this episode and that plot line it's got like this plot of drama being caught in the in the you know the gotcha show the punk kind of show it's a very mid-2000s hollywood plot this was a thing that was happening it was very much oh is this what that's like from us because i mean punk was huge Huge. And it was a great thing to parody and bring into the show. And part of what made the show so great was bringing in those out is, is making you feel like you were on the inside of that. Like we didn't ever got the true behind the scenes of punk of what it was like for the person before, you know, Ashton Kutcher wrecked their lives for 30 minutes. <laughs> so for me, it was an a minus episode just because it, it's kind of iconic. It might not be the best entourage episode ever, but it's, it's very, it's very memorable. You know what? You've convinced me a little bit because I initially would have said this is just like a solid B. The Amanda Vince stuff drags it down a little bit, but really it's the celebrity cameo being so good that like elevates it a bit. I'm going A minus, maybe B plus at, at, at the lowest. Um, also, the, the Scott Siegel like plot line is such a throwaway plot line. Like it's never brought up again. It has no impact on the outside entourage world. It's just like here are Ari and Mrs. Ari at home, and they deal with something, and it's done. Like, so it, it doesn't have those classic entourage, you know, mainstays, which is why I didn't really consider it as an A before. But I'm I'm, I'm leaning I'm leaning in your direction, Crash. Yeah, it was clearly like the bone they have to throw Ari to keep him to keep that character moving before they get them back together. So the, this episode was missing missing the Ari Vince dynamic, but that was about as good as it could be. For the reasons you said, it gives them, it gives you actual depth and insight to that marriage, which is not something you get a whole lot of. I think in the first season, like they completely, Ari's like a scumbag, like they don't even, yeah. you yeah. know. So it's actually giving that some depth, which gets you more invested in the later seasons when that marriage starts falling apart a little bit. Yeah, which that's a whole nother conversation, <laughs> whether or not that should have yeah. happened. But yeah, well, I'll have you back in season seven for that. Can't wait. So, Crash, I didn't ask you this question when I had you on in Season 1 because this question did not exist in Season 1. J.T. Parr of Chad Goes Deep kind of posed it in the Season 2 premiere or maybe Season 2, Episode 2. And I've asked every guest since, who are you in your own real-life entourage? So, I do have a pick of, of who I am, but I, okay. I do want to, with a caveat of, I have some ta- I have traits of a few of them. I have uh, I have tacked with women like early season turtle. I'm uh, very worried like E all the time, and then I have <laughs> dramas confidence issues. So I'm a really good combination. But me personally, I would have to say E 
yeah. because I am uh, one. I am. I have locked down a woman who's far out of my league and way too good for me. And yes, should, you have. And should <laughs> and should consider leaving me. Um, <laughs> e he has the temper. There is the, like the Seth Green thing. I can get a little hot at times, but he's more measured and he kind of thinks. I think he thinks things a couple steps ahead more than anyone else in the group, and I try sure. to do that as well. And um, I think I'm just the same kind of build as Kevin Connolly. I'm pretty <laughs> sure you could put me and him kind of nose to nose, and we'd probably weigh within the same 10-pound range. So I, I am going to go with E. Okay, I like that. I like that. And that's a very honest and like measured way of analyzing this. Some people come on here and just go, I'm a turtle. I'm a Vince. Kyle, this has been a lot of fun, man. I have had a blast, as you can probably tell. Long overdue. Thanks for joining and talking about Chuck Liddell. We'll have to have you back during the uh, the Medellin year. I'm going to have next year. Oh, I'm sorry, the Medellin year next year. I don't want to. I'm not. That. I am so bad at mispronouncing. I am not even going to touch pronouncing <laughs> that right now. And I I watched I watched all of Narcos, and I still have no <laughs> no way. Where can the listeners of Oh Yeah Oh Yeah follow you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Banduho. That's B-A-N-D-U-J-O. Uh, please go follow my podcast at Big Underscore Screen Sport on Twitter. Uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We cover sports movies, break down the on-field action, and most of the other stuff. Uh, tune in to DCOM December. Uh, looking forward to that. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's where you can catch me. DCOM December. Can't wait, man. This has been a lot of fun. Good luck with the wedding planning, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, sir. Talk to you soon. Hi.